Are you willing to follow your dreams if it costs you everything? What if it costs you friendships? What if it means homelessness and hunger? This was the question that M. Legend Brown had to ask himself as he rode the bus to work every day with holes in his shoes. But no matter what, he couldn't give up on his dream of being a filmmaker. He had given up everything to chase this dream. He had spent 13 hours a day in the library reading books about filmmaking from open to close. He had written a screenplay with blood, sweat, and tears only to have it shot down by the Screenwriting Association. But now, at 40 years old, his chance had finally come. And I remember going to Paul Quinn because I wanted to shoot a film one time. Mm-hmm. And I went to Paul Quinn High School. I mean, I had a Paul Quinn College. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting with the dean of the college. And he says, the phone rings. We're sitting in there. And the phone rings. He says, I'm, I'm, on, I'm in here with a producer. Just leave me alone. I'm thinking, oh, my God, a producer's coming in here. Oh, this is my lucky day. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, this dude's talking about me. you got to be kidding. It was the first time someone had referred to him as a real-life filmmaker, and it changed everything. Welcome to Episode 2 of M. Legend Brown's Legendary Story. Welcome back to Kavah the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. Did you feel like an imposter? No, I don't know if I feel like an imposter. I just never... There's a saying that you can't see your vision because of where you are. Right. So if you live in the slums, you can't see yourself as rich. Mm. Not saying that you can't be rich. You just right. can't see the vision of it. So I never seen the vision of me being a producer. So it's still, sometimes to this day, still shocks me. I carry it a little bit better, but it's back then it would be like crazy because people be like, oh my God, I'm being a producer. I'm like, oh God, the producer's coming. <laughs> I finally get to meet a producer, even when I went out to L.A., they were like, oh, yeah, we got a producer, M. Legend Brown, in the house. And, wow, that still never, just never rings true. Right. So it's, you know, always, and then, you know, my mentor told me, take the aspiring off of your name. You're you're not an aspiring filmmaker. You're a filmmaker. You make make a film a year. There's not filmmakers out there that don't even make right. films a year. Dick Wolf is probably the only other guy that makes, <laughs> he makes a <laughs> film a day, a TV show yeah, a day. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Dick's working. Spurred on by this moment of being recognized as a filmmaker, he mustered up the courage to present another screenplay to the Screenwriters Association. And sure enough, someone else believed in him. So it really took that to bring me back to that space and and time. So once I once I so I I made my very first short film. So I took took my story, I was proud. I took this other story back to the Screenwriters Association. I threw it on a desk like it was the (laughs) masterpiece. It was Rembrandt, you know? I was like, this is it. Oh, they just 
Okay, so did they give you like constructive criticism and say, "Hey"? Was it? I don't know if it was constructive. Okay. But it was criticism. Oh. And they were like, "Ah, oh, you don't, you know, you don't write. You write too, because uh, I write really. I paint a picture. You can actually see everything when right. I write. You could visually see the story. And so they're like, "Ah, oh, that's not a writer. That's what a director does." And it's this very famous actress here in Dallas. Uh, she stood up and she slammed her hand. Well, Michael's a director. I was like, I'm a director? <laughs> and they changed their whole tune. And they were like, oh, okay, well, if you're a director, then this is awesome. Oh, this okay. Is blah, blah, blah. So there was a fire in his belly. M. Legend couldn't stop writing. I previously had dated this young lady, and she was an actress. Which I was, was like the biggest mistake I ever made. But because she was an actress. And I would write stories every day. And she was like, she called her mom one day. She said, oh my God, I tried to write a story. So she, so she woke up one morning. And she said, well, I'm going to write a story. I said, okay. So she brings the story to me. I read it. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. No, she started writing. She only got like one paragraph. And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to keep writing. I said, okay. So I said, what are you trying to do with it? She said, well, I want to write a story that I can act in. Mm-hmm. And you can direct it. I said, okay. So she goes outside. She's talking to her mom. So I'm thinking I'm doing a good job. I write her a story. Right. And by the time she comes back in, she's gone for about 30 minutes. I write her this little 25-page short sprint. So I hand it to her. She says, hold on, mom. And she sits there and reads this story. And she says, oh, my God. He just wrote this story in 25 minutes. And I've been writing one for three days. <laughs> and I was like, but I wrote it for you. And she was like, Shut and it's good, Mom. <laughs> M. Legend had had a huge, unstoppable imagination since childhood. He observed everything in life and wove it all into the fabric of his storytelling world. So anyway, from there, I went on to direct. The very first film I did was a failure. I felt like a deer in headlights. It was called La Llorona. Okay. It's about the woman, uh, the wailing woman in the uh, Mexican stories. Okay. About her losing her child, and then she wanders the, right. the lakes looking for her child. I was, I just, I was so overwhelmed by that story, hmm. and I just could not, just could not figure out how to orchestrate that story because I just didn't have, we didn't have the resources, we didn't have anything. So, I felt like then I was like, well, maybe I, I'm not in the business. So I sat down with my business partner. Because I made this little hood film back in the day. That's how I really got into film is I would go to this barbershop and this guy named was Milkshake. Hmm. And Milkshake was, he'd write these little skits. That's all he could write was like four or five page scripts or three page scripts. And I'd watch them and I'm like, oh, those are kind of funny. And I was writing a book at the time. That, that book I was telling you about, about my grandmother. So I let yeah. him read that. And he was like, this is interesting. He said, can you write scripts? I was like, I don't know, Maybe. And then I, you know me, I'm gonna go to the library. So right. I get a play script. I don't know the difference between a movie script and a right. play script. So I write a play script and he says, How about you direct it? And I said, Well, I really don't know anything about directing. He says, Well, you wrote it, you should be able to direct it. So we'll direct it together. I said, Okay, so we go, and one of our friends worked at a play shop, play shop, at a pawn shop, and she was in a play. Okay. And she says, Why don't you come to our play that night? So we go to the play, I go to the play. And then that's all these actors. And I was like, we want all y'all in our movie. <laughs> and they all agreed. Oh, and I so, love it. So to make a long story longer, <laughs> the, 
we cast them in the movie and it takes forever to do this movie. All the books in the library couldn't have fully prepared M. Legend for this first full-fledged directing project. It was more of an on-the-job learning experience. It's really good. It's fun. We're having fun. It's, it's, I even go to this guy who owns a big production company in Dallas. Don't even know him. I go sit in with him. They loan me equipment to go shoot. Oh, we don't even know how to use the equipment. We're putting the lights up toward the ceiling and we're burning holes in the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> the actors are like, oh my God, it's so hot. We're like, shut up and just act. Oh, that's Like their makeup is like... <sighs> and so we finally just didn't even use any of the lights or anything. So we finished the movie. It literally was a hood success. I mean, we sold so many copies of that wow. horrible movie. I hope there is none left out there. I hope they're <laughs> burned to the ground. But it was, at that time, it was very, very educational. It really helped me to get, so I really don't beat it up too bad. But if I look back now from where I started, I'm like, whoa, this was, it right. was fun though. It's still funny because yeah. I watched it the other day. It's still funny, but okay. it, was, it was bad. M. Legend quickly moved to bigger and better things. He'd made a name for himself, and now it was time to live up to that name, and the road didn't prove to be easy. So from there, um, we went on to one of, one of my, I worked at Pepsi at the time, and a guy had just moved here from Austin named Eric King, yes. and he invested in the release of that film. Okay. And so we formed a company together, and we decided that what kind of films we wanted to make. We wanted to tell, we didn't want to tell hood stories. We wanted to tell stories. Right. And so we tried to do this story of crime drama. It didn't work out at all. We yeah. lost about $50,000 in that film. Yeah, that film. And never to this day. We shot it on film and everything. So I said, okay, let me make a couple of shorts and figure out exactly what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I made about six short films. Oh, wow. And then I realized, okay, I think I have a hold on this crap. And then I wanted to, so now I'm moving back forward. Then I'm moving back home, right? And so I'm struggling with moving back home. I'm like, God, why did you have me move back home? I don't understand it. But I didn't know my mom was sick. My uncles right. were sick. They were really doing bad. My mom's, she's 70 years old, trying to drive them to the doctor. One of them's blind. Oh, and my so, goodness. So you had a lot to take care of at home. So compound that with me thinking, okay, God, you moved me back home. Now my film world is dead. Oh. So when I left Dallas, I had got into so much. When I was young, I was really just like crazy. Not crazy, crazy, but I <laughs> didn't care about speed. I was a speed demon. And I had to get tickets on top of tickets on top of tickets. So people used to always say, man, if you if you left here and went to L.A., you'd be you'd be famous by now. But I didn't have a license. I had a license, but it was, a, it was you know, I had tickets on it. And I was like, well, I can't ever leave Dallas. So when I moved back home, my uncle was like, well, I want you to start driving your mom and, and them to the doctors. I was like, all right. I'm already depressed, so I'm already moved back home at 40. And, right, right. And, you know, everybody here is not doing this well. So that means I feel like, oh, okay, I'm going to be stuck now. So we did that, and I was like, well, you know, my license. And we worked through all of that and got all that expunged and all this stuff. And so, okay, now I'm back street legal. Sure enough, as life would have it, this too was part of his filmmaking journey. 
Because even in the darkest seasons, there's always a story hiding in plain sight. So I feel, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, nothing else. That was the reward for being here. Right. And so I got to taking care of them. And one day I was sitting out in the barn. I, had to, I was walking out of, I had to take my mom to the hospital. My uncle was having surgery. And I took him to the hospital. I was walking out of the hospital. I'm still like, oh, woe is me, blah, blah, blah. And I see this couple. And they're walking. They're frustrated. They got their little girl. And they're just, rah, 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 rah. they're not arguing, but they're, mm-hmm. they're upset. So I'm walking to my car and I still see them and they're still just, they're just, she's bawling and he's just, he's just so, and I, and I, I don't know why I go up and I said, are you guys okay? You need anything? And they was like, oh man, no, no, we're good. We're just, they wouldn't give us any treatment here. And I said, they wouldn't treat you guys? And I could see the little girl was sick. I said, they wouldn't treat your little girl? He's like, no, they wouldn't treat us because we're homeless. And the wife was like, <gasps> you know, she like almost oh. passed out. And then I, <clears throat> and then I, so we sat there and they told me their whole story. Is this hiding in plain this sight? This is hiding in plain sight. Yeah. So I immediately called all my producers and I said, I just heard this fabulous story. So I wanted their names, everything. They wouldn't yeah. tell me their name. They even hid the license plate so I couldn't see mm-hmm. the license plate, but I could see the car had a bunch of black bags in it. And I was like, wow. So he said, if you want to help me tell my story so more mm-hmm. people don't live like us. M. Legend could empathize with this family because he knew homelessness all too well. And they got some gears turning in his brain. M. Legend began to ask himself what kinds of stories he wanted to tell. And so when I moved back home, my uncles and them, I didn't know anything about retro stations. Mm-hmm. And they were watching these retro stations, westerns, old right. movies. right. And so when I was sitting there, that affected me too because I wanted to tell more high action, high drama, high key. But I realized that, you know, there's a space for this world in in these retro films. And I'd already had my faith and I wanted to figure out how could I combine my faith and what I do. And so I sat down with this lady. I don't even remember her name. And she says, so you want to be a Christian? So you, do you want to be a Christian filmmaker or do you want to be a filmmaker? And I was like, I really don't know what the difference is. She mm-hmm. says, well, a Christian filmmaker tells Christian stories, but that's not his belief. And then mm. a filmmaker, a filmmaker who is Christian, no matter what kind of film he tells, right. his belief will come out in that film somehow. If you tell a gangster movie, your faith will somehow be in that movie with redemption, with hope, with inspiration. Wow. And I said, well, that's what I want to be. Yeah. Because I'm a Christian first. And she says, okay, then there's your answer. And so from there is when we started telling stories about our faith through stories that might not fit the traditional. Right. And that was a big renaissance move in the African-American community. Like everybody had to be, because there were so many poor stories. And then there were so many stories about non-influential black people, Mm -hmm. like rich people. So everybody started telling all these stories about rich people, rich black mm-hmm. people. And I was like, man, what about the common man that comes home every day? So, yeah. I, you know, if all my stories have a theme, is it's about the everyday average right. man whose success is that he comes home, he's got a house, yeah. he's got the American dream, he's got yeah. the house, he's got the family, he's got the car, and he's got the dog, and he's yeah. happy. Yeah. That's his life, that's his success. Yeah. He's going to come home and kick the door in. Yeah. He's not, you know... Yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs. He comes home, eats eats a meal, sits and watches TV with his yeah. family. But M. Legend decided that he wanted to partner with Jesus to write his stories from now on. 
Instead of writing the same types of films as everyone else, he began to ask God what to write. And his relationship with God was very personal. The storms, the storms were brewing all the time. I get it. I get it. And and they still do at night. I mean, God just, oh, he just, <laughs> like last yeah. night, I was like, oh, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. Even hiding in plain sight. I remember laying there with hiding in plain sight. And he just kept turning and tossing and turning and tossing. I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to get up and write the story. <laughs> leave me alone. Steps oh. of Faith, the same way. I remember Steps of Faith. The ending, I wanted this ending, and he wanted the ending that's in the story right now. So I lay there, and I turn over. I'm like, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. I don't care. You shake the bed, shake the whole room, bring fire and brimstone, but I'm not getting up. Oh, my goodness. He turned me. I remember the bed felt like it was going. Oh, my goodness. I was like, nope, not getting up. Mm -mm, nope, do all your little party tricks. I'm not getting up. Oh, <laughs> You're wow. David Copperfield right now to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I couldn't go to sleep for 48 hours. I was like, okay, all right, all right, all right. I surrender. I'm going to write your ending. Oh, my Stop goodness. it. So it was, it was, it, <laughs> we always have those struggles, those, those battles because, I'm going, but this is the way I want. It's my story. I got free will. Oh, my goodness. That is hilarious. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, okay, free will. And so the ending of her, because I wanted her to go back for him. And he's like, <laughs> nope, that's not why she goes back. She goes back for her. That's going to speak so much more to everybody is yes. that I'm coming back because this is my calling. This is what God called me to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't come back here for no man. I didn't come back here for no job. Right. I came back here because this is what I was called to do. Right. <clears throat> I was like, okay, well, all right. Okay, okay. So, um, so what would you want people to take away from your story? I just hope they see a little bit of a reflection in them. Mm. <clears throat> you know, I'm a firm believer that one waters one plants, mm. one harvests. Yes. If I'm if I'm the water this time, let me be the water. Yes. If I'm the harvester, let me be the harvester. I I have no power to save anybody, but I hope I have a little light to shine on somebody to say I want to know more about that. Wow. I remember I've had people in my crew and my kid. I had a devil worshiper work for me, mm -hmm. and people beat me up so much. Why you have this devil worshiper? Why you have this devil? I was like, he's a good worker. So one day, he would never stand in with prayer. I said, listen, you don't ever have to stand in when we pray. We pray before the day, and we pray at the end of the day. I said, you never have to stand in prayer. Don't worry about it. So he would go and do something on the truck while we pray. And so I remember maybe four films in, we, we were going into this church, and he was standing at the church doors, and I'm, everybody's walking past him. They're just going about their business. And I kind of see him just standing there. like He's like holding this big old platform. He just... Just holding it, he's staring. I was like, you okay? He said, yeah, 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 okay. I said, come on, let's go. I'll walk in with you. And we walk in, he take a step in. I mean, he's like a cat. He's barely going in. And I was like, what is going on with this dude? So we get all the way into the church, and he goes all the way up near the pulpit, and he's closed his eyes, and he's holding this platform. And he's I'm like, are you okay? He says, yes. 
He said, I don't know. I thought I was going to explode when I came in here. I was going to burst in flames. Wow. I was like, that's in the movies. That don't happen. Now, you might fall dead, but no, no. I, like, <laughs> I said, no. He's like, oh. So after that, he would stand in prayer with us. Wow. He would he would join hands with us when we prayed. Now, did he ever get converted? I don't right. know. But all right. we're trying to show is that all I want to show is the kindness, warmth of the Jesus we know. He's not the guy that comes and hits you over the head with the Bible. He's not going to uh, waggle his finger. You don't have the right clothes on, so you can't come. No. Wow. Let you have your experience with wow. him. Even my editor, man, she was she was like, ah, you don't keep making these Jesus movies. I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, I like Jesus movies. And so I made a man called John. Mm-hmm. And she says, I would go to that church right there. Wow. And then later on, she told me, she says, well, my sister, see, I'm cutting all these Jesus movies. She invited me to church today. I said, oh, wow. Are you going? She said, yeah, I'm going to go. Wow. Is she she converted? I don't know. Right, right. But our job is just to show the kindness and grace of our Lord and Savior. So tell me about that. Tell me about your faith. uh, When you say about my faith, what does that mean? The kindness. What are you referring to? Just the mishaps. Yes. You know what I mean? I see I see faith in a whole different way. I see, if I see people out there without a shirt on, I'll give them my shirt. Mm. I think those are the things that change people versus, you know, quoting scriptures or beating them over the head with scriptures. And it's, it's if Jesus was walking this earth today, I think he'd be out there helping people. He'd be out there showing the grace of God. You know what I mean? The face of God is... Can I help you today? Can I come and do this podcast for you today? Can mm-hmm. I? Is there something that I can do to make your day a lot right. better? Because people beat me up. Well, there's not enough scripture in your film. There's not enough ministry in your film. That's why you go to church. You don't come to my movies to to, right. to get saved. My mm-hmm. job is to say, this is this is Jesus. Wow. This is how maybe in your walk today you see somebody in this situation mm-hmm. that you say maybe I need to help them. Right. With a little grace. Now, pastor backs all that up with faith. He backs it all up with scripture. He backs it all up with, with what our discernment is about this planet. Mm. I'm not I'm not a minister. Right. I just want you to be able to watch something entertaining yeah. that keeps you in line with your faith. Mm. Or shakes your faith up. Yeah. Maybe you watch something of mine that shakes your faith up. You like, oh, he ain't a Christian filmmaker. He made that movie. Yeah, okay, well, maybe then you need to go sit and talk with the man again. Yeah. <laughs> but when I say when I say kindness and grace, I just think <clears throat> Jesus turned water to wine. He went into people's homes and created miracles. He didn't stop the guy and told him to go wash. He didn't give him a whole right. sermon about <laughs> right. why he's in that situation, why he's in that right. position, how he got here, nothing. He just said, hey, mm-hmm. if, you, if you believe in this and you walk in faith, you go do this, you'll be able to see it again. Yeah. You know? The woman at the well. He didn't yeah. criticize her for being who she was. Right. He just showed her a little grace, a little kindness. And guess what she do? She go get everybody and their mama to come back and sit and talk to her when he Absolutely. said, Don't go tell nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know? Absolutely. So and I think when we talk about Jesus and God, right? God knocks Peter off his horse. <laughs> He's a little bit more aggressive, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Where Jesus is just showing grace. Mm. And he came for grace. And that's yeah. that's kind of what I mean by kindness and grace. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I hope my stories show is that if you just start with being kind with somebody, 
Mm-hmm. If yeah. you just start with helping somebody that you just, how hard it is when you go in a grocery store and somebody's behind you and you're pulling out a buggy, how hard is it just to push the buggy over to them? Mm. You might not know how that changed the trajectory of their day. Yeah. In the Bible, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. M. Legend knew that that was a reality and it meant something. He had to literally rely on Jesus as his daily bread. Even in times of hunger and homelessness, he was sustained by his faith. And now his faith was leading him to bless others. So looking back, uh, what gave you hope? Like you have had some some struggles. And was my faith, faith. The, the belief in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, uh, knowing that he had never left me. There was times that I remember sitting, I didn't have any lights in the house. And that was there was a moment in my I, before I destroyed the house and turned it into a set that I would sit there every day and I didn't have any lights. All I had was water, and I would come downstairs and I had this little bitty plant, and this plant would refuse to die. So every time I would see that plant getting bigger and bigger, I was like, "That's gotta be a sign from God." Right. I mean, it literally was like a beautiful plant. Wow! Like you never, I water it once a day, or I forget to water it, but it would all. That was like my connection, or my connection to what I needed to have in my life as hope. Right. It's like if this plant can survive, then I can survive. Wow! And I remember when I had to move out, I couldn't take the plant with me. Oh, I cried that plant. Oh my goodness! You thought that plant was Jesus Christ Himself? Because I <laughs> cried a lot. And the lady, the landlord lady, was like, "If you give me that plant, I won't. You won't have to pay the rest of your rent." All right. Like, no, but you don't know what this plant means to me because we survived. Yes. <laughs> we survived all those nights, and I used to sit with that plant by the window, and the street light would come into my bedroom window, and I sit there and I'd write. Mm. I'd write by the street light, and then I'd look at that plant, and that plant was just steady getting bigger. So I cut a little piece off of that plant, and I still have a little piece. Oh, and that plant wow. Still, and it still has has lived to this day. So it's little stuff like that. Yeah. I, uh, I remember I couldn't pay my lights one time, and I was my good friend, a mentor. He was he called me one day. He says, "Michael, I just got off the bus coming home from work. I had two dollars and nineteen cents in my pocket. Let me back up a little bit." So I'm on a job. I have no money. I got like three dollars, and payday is three days away. Mm. So you know, I got the hot dog. Yeah, it's So I got to make a choice which one do I want this day because I only have $3. And so I get to work this guy, mechanic, we're working on this thing. He drops his wallet. I'm talking about it's like money this thick in there. Whoa. And I was like, wow, thank you, God. And he was like, yeah, no, that ain't working. And so I go and I give it to the guy. And then and you can hear the other guy on this soda, like, if you give it to him, he ain't going to give you no reward. He ain't going to give you no a reward, he, he ain't gonna do nothing, and you're gonna be still hungry. And so, as I'm taking it to him, he's like, $20? I ain't gonna miss $20. So, I give him the wallet, and I said, Here you go, man. He said, Oh, man, thank you. You could have been rich. And then put his wallet in his pocket. Oh, gosh. And the little guy on my chest said, See, I told you. So, I'm, I'm on the bus home. I'm, my stomach is growling. I get off. So, I go, Well, I guess I do churches. I get to churches. This homeless guy goes, Man, I ain't ate all day. I'm so hungry. I just, I don't even know. I could hear his stomach growling. I was like, oh, God, I can't. 
You gotta be. I said, man, if I give you my last dollar and you don't buy this wow. chicken, and I see you around the corner and you not eating this chicken, we gonna have a hard time, brother. Cause I'm so hungry right now. I will beat you up just because you took my last dollar. I said, no, nah, man, I eat this chicken right in front of you. You buy me chicken, I'm gonna eat it right in front of you. So I bought him. But my last three dollars, I gave him my chicken. So I was gonna go home and just go to sleep. I was like, I'm going home, just go to sleep because I'm hungry and I'm mad. I'm just gonna go home. And the little man on the show, the time I see, if you just got that twenty dollars yeah. <laughs> or kept that wallet, you'd be rich right now. So as I'm walking home, my phone rings. Back, yeah, my phone rings and it's my mentor. And I was like, What, man? I, I said, I'm going home, go to sleep. I'm had a long day. He said, No, come see me. I said, no, I'm not coming to North Dallas. I'm not riding a bus all the way back to North Dallas. I just left. He says, please, come see me. So we used to meet at Starbucks. So I go all the way back out to North Dallas, and I meet him. And he hands me an envelope. He says, there's a church that I work with. And they always bless somebody every day of the week, or once a month. And they couldn't think of anybody this month. And I asked, and they asked me who. I said, well, I know a guy who's struggling right now that could really use a blessing. And he shoved this envelope over to me. And I don't look at it. I just put it in my pocket. We talk for another 45 minutes. He buys me something to eat. And so I'm going home. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I forgot all about the envelope. I get home. I get halfway home. I get off the bus. And now this is the bus pass that will take me back to work because I bought it so late. It will take me back to work the next day. Oh, wow. And this lady runs up to me. She says, sir, sir, please, can you give me some money to catch the bus? Because I finally get to go see my son. And I don't have no way to see him and his grandbaby. And I was like, what is going on today? <laughs> so I said, ma'am, you can have this bus pass. That's all I got. She said, she grabbed that bus pass and jumped on that bus. And so I got home. I opened the envelope. It was $500 in there. Oh, my goodness. So I was able to pay the light bill. I was able to go buy me some food. And for me and my plant was happy. Whoa. So, so I used to have to go to work at four o'clock in the morning. So I just get up at two o'clock in the morning. And I remember, you know, because that was like the most dangerous walk I ever had to do. I used to quote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me through the book. And so I was walking one in the morning. I was repeating that. And then the lady, she popped out. She said, hey, big man, ain't nobody going to mess with you out here. We got you, okay? You go to work. Don't worry about nothing. Ain't nobody out here going to mess with you. Wow. And I was like, so you just never know. And that's the kindness. That's yes. the grace. If I can put it in terms of wow. that, that's how we. That is amazing. M. Legend gave everything he had to chase his dream of making films. But he didn't leave people behind in the process. He knew that when he gave, it would also be given to him. And Jesus was faithful every time to take care of his needs. And at that time, I started winning and getting recognition from places like the Dallas Film Commission, the Dallas mm -hmm. Film Association, the Dallas Film. And I started to really build a brand that people kind of respected. But I was walking. Wow. I was walking everywhere with a backpack that was looked like it had been mangled by dogs. Wow. And I remember walking one day, I had to get to this event. And I was, I just, God, it's just been so many times. And it feels like a charity. I feel like sometimes feel like a charity, but... I remember going to this big, huge gala. They was awarding me this big, huge prize, this big, huge uh, ceremony. I didn't have a suit. Oh, I cried like a baby. Oh, my God, I cried. Like I love baby. that you cry. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, I cried, I cried, I cried. And I called Miss Hall, and I was crying on the phone. No, I don't want to do it. So she said, baby, come up here. <laughs> Please come see me. So I go see her. 
Because I'm thinking she's just finna, because she used to call me every day, Michael, you let Michael be Michael and let God be God. She literally would call oh, me wow. every day and just <laughs> say that and hang up the phone. I love Michael it. Michael be Michael and let yeah. God be God. And so I go up there and she says, come on. And she takes me to this suit shop. Oh, I cry like a baby again because I'm like, oh my God, I have no money. This woman has to spend no money to buy me out. Boy, if you don't shut up, I'll slap all the taste out your mouth. <laughs> she said, you need to be humble and let other people bless you. Mm. I said, well, it feels like charity. She said, well, that's what it feels like to you, but that's what a blessing sometimes feels like because you're so prideful that you can't see a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so I got the suit. I go to this big, huge event. I get my award. And they're all proud. And that's when I've seen how blessings work. Mm. They all feel like, I was part of that yes. experience. I helped him get to where he could get yes. this prize. I can help them be on that stage. Yes. And it's all a community. We forget yes. that we are a community. We can't do anything by ourselves, but as a community, we can come over. You know, what is my weakness is your strength. What is your strength is my weakness. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to help you. God has put me in line to help you. Yes. But you're so prideful that you won't allow that help comes. And then you wonder why God, you're like, God, why me? Well, I sent a ship. I sent a boat. I yes. sent a helicopter. Yes. I sent a duck. You didn't want anything. <laughs> yes. You know, so it takes a while for us to learn that. What M. Legend Brown didn't realize at the time was that he was slowly rising up toward his dreams. He was lifting up his community as well. God was providing for others through him and vice versa. When he trusted the Lord with his dream of filmmaking, the Lord did something bigger than he ever thought possible. You can find M. Legend Brown's films online, including A Heart That Forgives, Steps of Faith, and Hiding in Plain Sight. Thanks again for listening to Kaval the Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures in podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kaval the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.